This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by Whoop, the performance tool that is changing the way people track their fitness and optimize their training through a wrist-worn heart rate monitor that provides analytics and insights on recovery, strain, and sleep. Learn more at whoop.com. That's W-H-O-O-P.com and use code NOMEAT at checkout to save 15%. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to me Athlete Radio. Hey, Doug, you know how I, uh, a month ago, went on the vegan cruise, right? The holistic holiday at sea? I sure do, yeah. I remember we even recorded a, an episode from you from the boat. <laughs> That's right, with the cruise horn sound. With the cruise horn, yeah. That it was on the boat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I met some some friends there, and a lot of people who were fans of No Meat Athlete, and especially the podcast. It always seems to be that the podcast is the thing that uh, that the biggest fans are fans of, just for whatever reason. But anyway, I met uh, these people, friends, very nice people named Brian and Catherine. Um, Brian, I believe, is I forget if he's done his first ultra or not, but he's getting into the ultra world. He has every intention of doing a hundred miler one day. Um, but they listen to like every single episode. They've heard every single episode. All the time, it sounds like. I mean, every second of it. Which we've only encountered a few of those people. Yeah. And I always really like talking to those people because it's, it's cool. They know um, a lot about us, if you think about it. <laughs> yeah. And that, that conversation gets said every time that I meet someone who mm-hmm. uh, listens to the podcast because they say, oh my gosh, this is so weird because I feel like I know you, but you probably don't know me. And, you know, that's probably weird for you. And it's always not really weird, but people always mention that that very thing. Huh. But anyway... Um, and again, I don't know if they, I don't know if they listen to every, have listened to every single episode. I know these days they listen to everything. But anyway, we uh, we were having a conversation and and had some jokes at Doug Hayes' expense. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> because they, I I think Catherine said something like, um, uh, "How's Doug's uh, running thing going? That thing where he was trying to run like some really specific amount of miles each day. Do you remember what that was?" <laughs> no, I don't there was a remember. thing where you were running something point something miles and that was your like thing for a, a while or something yes you don't remember this i kind of remember this what would it what? have been i have no idea what it was for or what but it was like 2.1 or 3.4 or some, something that had significance and i think it was like your new year's thing maybe you did it on rocky creek runner or something i don't uh-huh. know uh-huh yeah but anyway i do okay yeah so we had she had a little chuckle about that and <laughs> And he said, so, and she said, and I said, I don't, I have no idea what happened to that. I don't know if that was, you know, came to an end or if he just stopped doing it. And then it was like, oh, that, that Doug, he's always, always trying these new, these new things and never sticking with them. And then I was like, yeah, remember his, uh, his intermittent fasting, how he was going to start doing that and, <laughs> and, uh, never got off the ground. And so it was, it was just, uh, it was a little Doug Hay bashing session. And was, <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was fun. Wish you could have heard it. Oh yeah, I bet. I bet you do. <laughs> Without being able to defend myself. Yes, exactly. It was perfect. But anyway, uh, this episode is going to be about that, which is why I tell that story. This is about about, about me fasting, and I wondered if this would if this would inspire you to to go for it again. Yeah. Well, you know, I never. It never. Like you said, it never really got off the ground. <laughs> I get. You know, I hear something. We talk to a guest or. Or you and I talk I about something, it. and you and you you kind of convince me that I should do it. I get all inspired to do it, and uh, oftentimes I don't. It doesn't really get off the ground. I will. I will say, while I don't remember the specifics of my running a certain amount every day, um, I'm pretty good about the running go- goals that I set. 
Yeah. It's the it's the like push up goals and uh, food related goals that I'm not very good at. <laughs> good. So the thirty one hundred, you're gonna do that then, right? <laughs> the thirty one hundred, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It was pretty exciting, inspiring. And, and our um, Will, who does the who manages the Pulse community mm-hmm. for our academy members, our he will. What's that? I said our Will. Our Will. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he. Uh, he was listening to the episode and texted me. He's like, man, we got to figure out a way to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I'm the same thing. I get inspired by the guests, and I think I'm going to get into super cooking and go to culinary school or, like, get into super mobility mode and do all this stuff. And, you know, you never do. 20 minutes later, you forget it. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's what podcasts are good for, though. They get you thinking that you can do something special before, yeah. before reality sets in again. Well, I'm 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 pleased to hear that I can provide some comic relief even uh, even in my absence. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so anyway, we will get to the intermittent fasting episode in a little bit, um, or to the interview in a little bit. I have with, some other news though. With Pamela Ferguson. Pamela Ferguson, so. our friend, and I now three-time guest of the podcast. Three Pete, yeah. Which is uh, a lot. Probably puts her in in the top top five, I think, in terms mm-hmm. of total appearances. And she's good. She like knows she her stuff. Good. Yeah. She definitely knows her stuff. And in this one, I think we said this in the interview, but she, we were totally unprepared for the episode because we thought we were doing a different topic. We, we had beside, been debating two different topics with Pamela, and somehow miscommunication happened, and she thought we were doing one of them, when in fact we thought we were doing the other one, and it ended up that we were ready to record, and she said, okay, let's do it about this, and we were like, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> so then we said, let's just reschedule, you know, we can do it again next week at the same time or something, and she said, no, 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 just give me like 12 minutes, and then I will be ready, and uh, she, you know, to be ready, she like gets all these research, finds it, and pulls it together, and gets it in front of her, and talks, you know, just as a professional would do a podcast mm-hmm. if, if there were professionals uh, involved, and uh, she just pulled it together, and then and then did did great. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Always good. Easy to, and, and, I mean, not just sciencey, but she's she is a person, you know, and she gets it, and it's easy to understand. So, right. love having Pamela on. Ready for hey, my man. news? I'm ready. Let's hear it. My son's YouTube soccer channel is launching. Hey. By the time this episode goes <laughs> up, it will be launched, which is a, which is momentous occasion, having nothing to do with my son, but because we have talked about doing video forever. <laughs> I know. I'm glad that he was able to pull it And we still haven't, right. We still haven't. But partly the reason I've helped him with this and put time into this is because it seems like uh, a little little no-pressure introduction into, you know, editing video, making video, all that goes into it. Uh, So that that whatever the Nomad Athlete radio, Nomad Athlete video thing is, uh, it just, you know, the, the hurdle is a little bit smaller to make it happen in my mind it's not this big unknown thing it's just like now i now i know how to handle youtube we just got to do that that's pretty cool it is cool we're excited about it because he's been working very hard and uh he's wanted to do this for a long time because he's kind of the one who got me watching youtube or at least sort of paying attention to what content creators are doing on youtube because he found all these people what uh they're awful they're awful (laughs) (laughs) i mean just not that they're bad at what they do youtube shows are the the kind that the kids watch are are the worst thing I've ever seen. I just can't. The people who do them, I just don't know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. What I mean, well, so what, what kind of what's his channel gonna be? It's it's all his soccer. It's called Mountain Football Kid. That's his Mountain name Football for it. Kid. Like it. Yep. Uh, football being the the proper way of saying soccer. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And I don't I don't know that it's going to last. I have no idea. I don't know what he wants to do with it. I think I mean he wants to to teach kids cuz like the stuff that he watches, he watches tons of YouTube channels of people doing, you know, cool moves and interviewing pros and playing FIFA and videotaping that, believe it or not. And <laughs> he wants to uh, you know, he wants to have something that is done by a kid that is kind of the same stuff, which is hard because the people who are teaching this stuff, who are showing you how to do these moves and whatever, uh, you know, they're usually 15 or 20 or older and they have a significant amount of expertise in what they're teaching you. So it's a little bit different for a kid. He's really good for his age, but like still it's, it's someone who is, you know, on the path learning, uh, who's teaching it to somebody. So who knows if it'll go that direction, like trying to give advice or if it'll end up being just him doing fun, goofy challenges and all that, which Mm -hmm. is the type of shows that I hate, but (laughs) who knows? But they, they, they get the hits, you know? I think they do. Yeah. No one wants to put in the work. No one wants to learn anything. They just want (laughs) to. I know. Watch you do something cool. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Well, no, I'm just kidding. I think that, I think that's, I think that's awesome. And, you know, I think that there's at least on a, um, yeah, I don't know if kids feel the same way, but I think that they would, and maybe even more so. It's like, I like to watch or like learn from people who are, who are learning themselves, you know, who have still have something to teach, but are, are, are learning as they go so that they can, you know, they're going to make the same mistakes that you would make. And then they're going to yeah. hopefully learn how to fix them and, and tell you how to avoid them. But, um, you know, if you're, if you're learning from somebody, if you're watching somebody who knows everything, they're going to, they're not in the like newbie mindset, you know, and they're not yeah. asking the same questions that someone who has no idea what they're doing might, might ask. Yeah. That, I mean, that, uh, I think is called the expert problem when, you know, in, in circles that talk about these things. And, I, when I started like doing nomad athlete, I don't know. Like I was, I was definitely in that state. I was the person who was learning how to do this, and then sort of sharing the journey and what I was learning, um, mainly because that was the only thing I was comfortable doing. I wasn't comfortable saying I'm an expert in this because I clearly wasn't. Um, but I, I remember th- learning about that expert problem and saying, "Well, I'll never have that." Like you know, as long as I'm aware of that, I'll just make sure all my stuff is. I'll just make sure I don't forget what it was like to be a beginner. But mm-hmm. I have realized like. You ha- you can't. It's just like your your mindset changes as you get better and better at things or learn more and more about things, mm-hmm. and you just can't. I don't. It's just not possible to put yourself back in that state. I guess people who are pretty good at teaching are the best at you know being able to to empathize and put themselves in the shoes of the person they're teaching. But I think that problem is a very real thing, and that's why that's why I actually think <laughs> what he's doing is cool. And I think I think there will yeah, be kids who totally. relate to it. Anyway, who knows if he'll actually keep it up? Because it's, I mean, to get him to do his soccer work that he's supposed to do every day, because he has a coach who teaches him and he has this little daily routine he's supposed to do. Like to get him to do this stuff when it's not directly fun soccer related, like like putting his foot in a big bucket of rice and uh, moving his moving his ankle around to strengthen it, <laughs> which is like a real thing and it gives you more stability and helps you not get injured. But like to get him to do these things is really hard, you know, because it's just he's a kid and he wants to do the fun part. Right. So it that we're that's that's something I'm learning a lot about how to how to find that balance because I just don't want to burn him out. He's he's so good, but he's only eight, so he's got many years of doing this ahead of him. Uh, so I'm I'm very worried about burnout for sure. Yeah. Well, well, I'm excited to check out the channel, Mountain Football Kid. <laughs> Mountain Football Kid, and I when when this episode goes live, the the channel will be up. Like I have the video on there. It's just not I didn't make it uh, public yet. But anyway. Um, I don't know how to find things in YouTube, so I don't know. I don't know if you could just search Mountain Football Kid. I'm guessing you do. Yeah, you but can. I know it's not a URL. We don't have that yet. You have to be 30 days and have 100 subscribers to get that. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. 
Well, you so, can you can search for a channel with in the okay. top. Yeah. So anyway, if you want to do that, if, if he would think it was very cool. If you're a fan of Nomadathy Radio, if you go check it out and he starts racking up the views on his video, um, so do that. Leave him a nice comment, and uh, I will appreciate it. <laughs> Mountain football kid. Mountain football kid. This might be the first time we're promoting a. Uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something. Well. <laughs> Yeah. He's going to become an official employee of Nomadathy. Yeah. yeah, do there we get are. a percentage of ads ad revenue? Yeah. In the publishing thing on YouTube, it says, uh, "Does your videos contain minors? And if it does, make sure you comply with child labor laws and all these things." Hmm. And I thought, yeah, I guess if we monetize, I got to be careful. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, good oh, times. Man. There's all those channels that that like those kids unboxing stuff that have millions oh, or billions of views. I know. And those kids, I mean, they must make so much money. Oh yeah. I know. I wonder who gets it or what the parents do with it or, yeah. I mean, the temptation to turn your family into like a work farm is probably very great. Oh, I'm sure. Right? I mean, yeah. Like if your kids just churning out videos and they're just racking in money every time they're raking in money, every time they do it, like I would start wanting to not go to school or at least spend every minute of his weekend <laughs> making videos Right. <laughs> and like, right. that could go bad very quickly. And I'd say, oh. well, look, it's just for the two years or whatever. We're going to make this money and then we're going to stop and you can have a normal childhood after that. <laughs> but it would just go down a bad no. road. It would be terrible. <laughs> it would be terrible. And then, like, and then also they're like YouTube famous, you know? So other kids know who they are and they're getting made fun of on comments. And I don't know. Yeah, I know. All right. It's just, uh, yep. That, I mean, I, I love what you're doing with Holden, but the unboxing stuff. Not, not a fan of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, although, I mean, many of those things are issues, right? The the comments and stuff like that. Like, I don't know if he's young enough to handle Like, let's say his thing gets a little bit of traction and he starts getting actual fans. Then with that comes people who don't like what you're doing or who just exist to make you miserable in right. the comments, right? right? Like, how can a kid deal with that? So who knows? I, I'm sure parents moderate comments of kids and mm-hmm. all, a lot of stuff to go down. But anyway, I think it's a good experience still to just to just show that you can you can put your ideas out in the world and... Totally. Yeah. It's just I mean that's the coolest thing about the internet is that you don't need to you don't need to be told you're good enough anymore. You just do it. That's right. Let the YouTube commenters tell you you're not good enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Anyway. Um so we've got the episode with Pamela about intermittent fasting, which is a good topic, at least one that has come up many, many times on this podcast, and we never really are that informed about it. Like mm-hmm. I think we know what it is, probably more than the average person knows what it is, but not that much more than the average person knows what it is. Uh, so we always talk about it, figured we should have somebody on to really talk about it and to inform us about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned in this episode that your wife yeah, does intermittent fasting. She's been doing it for a while. Mm-hmm. And it, she kind of started doing it in the context of just eating more healthily. And she, she's a big fan of the Chef AJ approach, which means starting the day with vegetables. So she, like every day, I think around 11 or noon, pretty much noon most days, she will have a pound of roasted cauliflower. And that's her, that's her beginning of her eating. So, you know, aside from just a diet, you know, in, in the diet sense, it's a nice way to make sure you're getting a lot of vegetables, get those good cruciferous vegetables. Um, but anyway, she does that and she has like a six hour window of it, which is pretty small and she's done it for a while now. It is, it's definitely sustainable. So I can say that about it. What I don't know is it's in the context of just eating more healthily anyway. So who knows if that is responsible for losing weight, feeling better and all that. Uh, but she's sticking with it, so she seems to think that it that it is. Great. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, before we do, Doug, this episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by Whoop, the performance tool that is changing the way people track their fitness and optimize their training. 
Woo provides a wrist-worn heart rate monitor that pairs to their app that provides analytics and insights on recovery, strain, and sleep. That's what makes Whoop so unique. It helps you know when your body's recovered or when it needs rest by getting to know your nervous system through heart rate variability and quality of sleep. I think it actually knows me better than I do. You think so? I think so. It's telling me things about myself I don't even know about. Does it know your deepest Doug Hay secrets? (laughs) I might. I don't know. (laughs) It it knows it knows when I'm. uh, It it knows my sleep patterns really well, and and, you know I have some weird dreams, so it might be recording those dreams. I'm not sure. (laughs) The robots, they're coming. (laughs) It even has a built-in sleep coach that looks at the user's day and previous sleep performance and provides optimal sleep times to ensure you are fully recovered the next day based on your performance goals. Whoop monitors heart rate 100 times per second, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 24-7, Doug. You know what? So so I am, so as you know, I'm about to run a 100-miler. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just doing a little math. I was, because I'm going to wear the Whoop band and, and have it track me. Um, I was doing a little math. So if, if it takes me 30 hours to run the race, which for this race, it, it probably will, um, yeah. and 100 times per second. So there's, in 30 hours, there are, one hundred and eight thousand mm-hmm. uh, seconds, and so for if it's doing a hundred times per se- per minute, sorry, oh geez, I'm messing this up big time. It, anyway, it comes out to ten million eight hundred thousand times that it's going to read my heart rate <laughs> over the course of that race. Ten million eight hundred thousand times. Wow. You better keep the little charger thing charging. <laughs> well, no, that's that's the great thing. The battery life lasts for a few days, so I can, uh, if, as long as it's charged up before I get going, that's it'll be good, good to go. You're right about that. What else is cool is that the charger attaches to the strap, so you never have to take it off and charge it. Which yeah, I thought right. was, it's the first time I've seen that happen. Mm-hmm. Anyway, as I was saying, 24 hours a day, seven days a week to give you full insight into your day so you can optimize the way you train, and it automatically tracks workouts and gets strain scores Strain scores. Gives strain scores. It lets you know how strenuous training was on your body and see even more data like average heart rate, max heart rate, and calories burned. Not calories eaten, right, Doug? No, no. That doesn't count corn chips, right? (laughs) Thank God it does not. (laughs) (laughs) To learn more about the band, app, and insights, visit whoop.com. That's W-H-O-O-P.com. And when you're ready to get started, use code NOMEAT at checkout to save 15%. Hey everyone, Matt and Doug here with our good friend Pamela Ferguson, registered dietitian up in Toronto still, right Pamela? I've actually moved out to the West Coast, so I'm living in right? British I, Columbia now. You know, I had a vague sense of that, that was true, that's why I <laughs> confirmed it with you, I'm glad I did. British Columbia, that means like what, Vancouver? Uh, we're actually living in Nelson, which is eight and a half hours from Vancouver. Uh, it's a beautiful little <laughs> town um, Pretty in the mountains. But okay. actually, you know what? That is our closest big city. So yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. What about, I, what about I, Whistler? Whistler would be, I guess, like nine hours away. Yeah, because Vancouver I mean, and Whistler going, are keep, very I just close. Keep rattling them off. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love okay. to hear your Canadian geography knowledge. <laughs> that's, keep that's, going. Actually, that's all I got. That's, that's I got Winnipeg, but I think that's not as far. That is. Far away. That is far away. Yeah. Winnipeg's far. <laughs> I I have I have been admiring your uh your Instagram photos ever since ever since you moved. It's pretty yeah. Beautiful I there. thought that you would appreciate this new landscape, Doug. It's more to your oh, liking absolutely. than than the city yeah. is. Yes. Is it the Asheville of Canada? It's oh, it it's might pretty, even be more, more beautiful than Asheville. Asheville. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not one to I'm not one to put down these uh, these mountains here, but uh, they're pretty pretty magical out there. Yes. Nice. 
Well, we have had Pamela on twice now, I believe. Does anyone want to correct me on that as well? <laughs> sounds right. That twice, sounds right? good. Yes. Yeah. Once on, uh, once on how you raise your family, or, or mm-hmm. I guess captain the family. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> Uh, with with a lot of kids and you know living a pretty cool lifestyle, I think not just not just vegan and super healthy and ultra runner, um, but the way you guys travel around and do different experiences, and I think that's really cool. So I love that episode, and then I really like the one that we did after that, which I do not remember the exact title of, but I know it was where we were talking about like the idea of of having like boundaries and constraints with with things, or whether you should kind of you know be okay with some gray area, whether you should have rules in your diet. Mm-hmm. I and think was- I love that one. Yeah. And I think, you know, some of that will come up today, actually, in our topic as well. I think it relates to that, that episode. Awesome. Well, this is moderation, moderation. Exactly. Sensible or slippery slope. That's what it was. That's the one. Yes. Clever title too, whoever came up with that. (laughs) (laughs) Doug. Yeah, definitely (laughs) me. (laughs) Anyway, this is a topic uh, that I think is a long time coming on No Made Athlete Radio. We've talked about it lots of times with different guests. It seems to come up with increasing frequency these days um and that is because it is a popular topic and it is intermittent fasting um but we've never really never really drilled down on it and honestly i don't know all that much about it um i've i hear about it in all these different contexts and i you know everybody's recommending it in fact my wife erin has been doing it for several months now oh really yeah i just and i i have this sense that it is a really legit thing not a fad um, or if it is a fad, then it's then it's one that should be here, and I hope stays. Um, but I don't know that much about the science behind it, so I'm really interested to to learn more about it. And uh, luckily, Pamela, who I didn't mention is also a nutrition PhD in addition to being registered dietitian, uh, does know quite a bit about it. So let's uh, let's dive in, shall we? I guess Pamela, just first of all, what can you can you explain intermittent fasting? What it means to people? I think there, you know, surely there are people who hear that term and still think, well, that sounds crazy. Fasting, like who's going to mm-hmm. do that? and think that means weeks without food. And obviously it's not, that's why it's intermittent fasting. But um, can you just give us the, the, that bit of background about it before we jump into all kinds of other questions that Doug and I have prepared? Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I mean, everyone, I think, has an understanding of what fasting means. Fasting means going without food in one way or another. Um, and, you know, obviously doing that long term is not compatible with um, health and life. Um, And that's where the intermittent part comes in. So there are many different modalities to intermittent fasting, but essentially you're fasting for periods of time and then enjoying normal eating again for periods of time. And um, that allows people to be able to get a lot of the benefits of fasting without maybe some of the um, negative consequences that come along um, both physically and mentally with long-term deprivation from eating. So when we say intermittent fasting, typically what are we talking about? Like what kind of range? Because you know, there, there are things like that fasting mimicking diet, which is mm-hmm. I think not really fasting at all except for maybe – every now and then, but what intermittent fasting, broadly speaking, what are we, what kind of time ranges or windows Mm -hmm. are we talking about? So there are a few um, methods that are commonly used. One is a 16, eight method. So that would be having an eight hour window of the day where you're consuming calories. And then you'd be fasting for 16 hours in the day. So typically people would um, follow a pattern of starting to eat at say, 10 or 11 in the morning 
and then they would eat through until say six or seven at night um, until they finished their evening meal. And then after their evening meal, just no more eating into the evening and waiting, just delaying their breakfast in the morning. You know, the term breakfast actually comes from breaking fast, break fast breakfast. And this would just be delaying that slightly. Um, you can also, if you're a really big breakfast person, if you're kind of like the person that wakes up, breakfast is very important to you. You're very hungry as soon as you wake up. Or maybe if you're very active in the morning and you're really wanting that meal, you could also go with a pattern of 7 a.m. to say 3 p.m. Um, and stop eating in the afternoon. So that would be the 16-8 method. Um, there are, is also a method called the 5-2 method, and that is where you would eat normally uh, for five days of the week, and then for two days of the week, you would eat 500 calories for women and 600 calories for men. So that's that may sound like a very low number of calories. If you've ever calorie counted, um, you probably were taking in somewhere between, say, 1,500 to 2,500 calories a day. To, so to go down to five or 600 calories a day, that's a very low amount. But remember that it really is only just for that one day, and then you're going back to eating normally again, and you would do that twice in a week. Um, so not, not, not two consecutive days, but... It is possible to do it two consecutive days. Most people prefer to break it up. Um, the most common pattern I see is people fasting on, say, Mondays and Thursdays. You know, doing it on a busy day is a good idea, like when you're in your work routine and you've got a lot on the go, um, just while you're a bit distracted. Maybe not on a day when you're necessarily training very hard. Um, but a day when you're kind of just busy with work, that kind of thing. Um, and if, you know, if this really scares you, <laughs> you're just thinking, how could I possibly go through a day on only 500 calories or 600 calories? I would just encourage you to just take a light and playful attitude to this. It's okay. You know, it's okay if you find that you try it and it's just too hard and you have to eat more or, you know, it's not, this is not an exam. It, you know, you just take a light and playful approach to see what happens in your body. Just listen to your body and remember that you are not going to die. Um, don't have anxiety around this. Like um, you're not going to die by having lower calorie intake for that day or by delaying meals for a few hours. You might experience um, mild um, feelings of hunger. Uh, usually they will pass or hunger often comes in waves rather than coming um, all at once. So, you know, you can uh, just take a light approach to this and don't panic. So that's the 5-2 method. And then I'll just mention one more, which is the eat-stop-eat method, where for two days of the week, um, you fast for 24 hours. And I would recommend doing that kind of from mealtime to mealtime. So um, maybe from lunchtime, say lunchtime on Monday to lunchtime on Tuesday. So you would essentially just not eat in the afternoon or evening on Monday and then wait on Tuesday morning, delay your breakfast, and then you would eat at lunchtime on Tuesday. So um, those are three different modalities, 16-8, 5-2, and eat-stop-eat. And um, we can talk more about how to actually do that and and how to approach it, but those are three different methods of fasting that are commonly found in the literature. Yeah, and, and I imagine that they each attract 
different types of people. Like I can't, I would so much rather do 16, eight than, right. than skip 24 hours at a time, you know? Yeah. But in the rest of the days you can, you can pig out all day long. <laughs> you can, you can, you can pig out during you those can, eight hours. You too, can you know? eat so. normally. <laughs> I think, I think it's key to not think that that means the rest of the time is it's like not eight hour nonstop buffet. It's, Eight uh, hours of eating normally, mm. responding to your normal hunger cues, <laughs> eating intuitively. Yeah. You got to prepare for that fast. Thing. <laughs> Store up for winter. Um, all right. So a couple, a couple of questions. The first, yeah. I guess, is uh, maybe we should define what fasting actually means. Is that like, you know, you talk about not eating, but what about, what about drinking? Are you, are you mm-hmm. not drinking? Or what about water? And then even things like coffee or. Yeah. So Beer. you can um, <laughs> you can enjoy <laughs> any non-calorie liquids, and it is a great idea to stay hydrated um, during that time. So um, lots of water. Um, you can enjoy uh, herbal tea, hot or cold, like iced tea is a great idea. Um, you can have black tea, black coffee. Um, if you're a person that really enjoys having... Uh, like say almond milk in your coffee or your tea, you can have a splash. So you can have up to 30 calories um, at a time. You know, this is a little hack, a little fasting hack. But if you want to put um, just a splash of almond milk into your coffee, as long as you're not exceeding 30 calories, then uh, you'll still be in a fasting state. What about the butter that I put in my bulletproof coffee? Is that is that okay for me to do? <laughs> well, actually, um, you know, <laughs> there is um, there is a school of thought in <clears throat> in fasting where people do try to kind of just stay in ketosis, mm-hmm. and um, so they may try to kind of appro- approach it like a ketogenic. Uh, diet and they will still include fats with no carbohydrate. I personally don't think that's necessary or particularly healthy. <laughs> so I don't actually believe you that you're putting butter in your coffee. But um, <laughs> of course, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even <laughs> coconut oil in my coffee. Even right, that sounds gross. Right. Um, but, you know, I think there is. Um, that is a modality to fasting, but it's not really one that I would encourage. I don't encourage people to just take in a lot of extra saturated fats. Even if you are able to maintain ketosis in that state, I don't personally think that that's, um, and it's not just me personally, uh, there is evidence to show that um, that is not a healthy approach to add a lot of saturated fats into your diet. So please hmm. don't do that, but um, it might actually not break your fast. Okay. So, I mean, first of all, we should have you back on another time for a keto episode, I think. That would be uh, really interesting. But um, I only make that joke because I've heard people say, I've been in line at different, I forget, maybe it was like a Tony Robbins event, and somebody was like saying how how they love their bulletproof coffee because that would help them with their intermittent fasting. It would help them last longer for their, you know, fasting window. And to me, it was just like, well, isn't that, I didn't say it, but I wondered, isn't that just completely breaking the fast? Because I've even heard things um, different from what you said, Pamela, that like, I've heard people say that you can't even have coffee. And I was always thinking, well, that's kind of tough. Like I, cause I can easily get up at 8am and have a coffee then and not eat till 11 or whatever. It seems to me that like, if I have a cup of coffee, I'm, I kind of don't get hungry for a while. Right. Uh, but I was under the impression that even plain old black coffee, uh, 
is not really fasting because it's starting a bunch of processes and things, even if it doesn't have many calories. Is that so you're saying that's really not not something to worry about? No, that's any non calorie liquids you can enjoy. So go ahead and have your coffee, your tea, herbal tea, water, sparkling water, water with ginger, water with lemon, cucumber water, any of those things. In fact, it's good to stay hydrated. Gotcha. Good. So, um, so we, we, I guess before, I have a ton of questions about how to actually implement this, but mm-hmm. um, before we get into that, we kind of brushed over the the benefits, right? I mean, yeah, you said that, yeah, yeah. Why, like why why were people, why is this such a thing right now? Uh, and is it just weight loss or is it, is there longevity and other things, that, you know, that are in motivating people to, to try out intermittent fasting? Good. Well, you know, I think weight loss does bring a lot of people through the door. People are interested in weight loss, and that often is at least part of the motivation um, for people to practice intermittent fasting. Um, I will say that the research in animals, and as a vegan um, dietitian, I prefer to not really um, look at animal testing research. I think that we don't need to be doing that. Um, I really prefer to examine human research, especially for something related to nutrition. I think we do function differently uh, when we're out there making food choices. Uh, and it's in, in intermittent fasting, it's no different. Um, when you're able to completely control the environment that a mammal is in, um, you know, fasting works very well. In human models, when we're out there, you know, implementing our diet ourselves, um, we don't have someone like feeding us, uh, you know, we will make our own choices and maybe not always implement things perfectly, but that, that is just the reality of how humans are. Um, so we do see, even in humans, that, um, that intermittent fasting does work very well for weight loss, but it doesn't actually work that much better for weight loss than calorie restriction does. There are a few studies where we're seeing a little bit of improvement over calorie restriction in terms of weight loss, but for the most part, most studies are showing that it's not necessarily much more successful than calorie restriction. Um, However, for some people, it might be preferable. And this is where it get, we get back to that, you know, moderation, slippery slope. If you are really a kind of person who is an all or nothing person, you just like to have a system and you'd like to know like yes or no, <laughs> that's, the, that's the easy uh, approach for you, then fasting might actually work better for you than calorie restriction or other types of um, of dieting because it's so simple. Um, you know, you follow your pattern, whether it be 16-8 or 5-2, you get into your pattern. And then once you are past that time, maybe it's like seven o'clock or eight o'clock in the evening, you know, that means, okay, no more eating. I just like the kitchen's closed. It's done. I don't have to think there are no decisions to make. The decision is already made. I'm not eating. Uh, anymore tonight, and it's done. Um, and so, if you're a kind of an all-or-nothing person um, who's attracted to those really simple um, approaches, then it may work better for you than other modalities. Um, the other benefit is that with weight loss, um, you will preserve muscle mass slightly better uh, with intermittent fasting than you will with just um, calorie restriction. 
So that's great. I mean, we all want to preserve lean body mass um, because, you know, of course, it helps us to function better as athletes um, when we preserve muscle mass. And uh, so and it also just is good for us in so many ways in terms of our health to have more lean tissue rather than fat tissue. Um, and there are so many other benefits too. Uh, you know, decreased uh, incidence of diabetes, improved management of diabetes, decreased non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And that is a disease which I've really been spending time on lately in my practice and in my, in my reading. Um, because do you know that a quarter of people have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease? That's just... It's just insane that like that's uh, a quarter of our population. And so this is just a ticking time bomb, really, in terms of um, it predisposes people to um, risk of so many other diseases and also is becoming a leading um, cause for need of um, liver replacement. So, you know, this is just uh, something that is really becoming such a problem and fasting can help with this. There's some evidence of reduced cardiovascular disease, some evidence, particularly there's been research around breast cancer, and there's some evidence of reduced incidence of breast cancer for people who fast. Um, and as Doug mentioned, some of the original impetus behind um, researching uh, intermittent fasting was around longevity. Um, when you fast, you can uh, potentially anyway, live longer. And Matt, you're all about that. I, I'm gonna live to be a thousand. <laughs> I cannot be... promise living to a thousand. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, man, I was thinking that's why we were doing this episode. I wanted my, my ticket. <laughs> But right, Dr. So Dr. Longo, who's one of the main researchers um, mm -hmm. around intermittent fasting, he wants to live to 125. That's his goal. And I think that's a realistic goal. And this is something that you could m potentially bring into your nutrition arsenal to increase your chances of living longer. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's a good thing for you to think twice about if you're a person listening to this who is interested in longevity. So I didn't realize that I mean, I know Longo is the one who I've heard of the fasting mimicking diet from. And I think that is pretty much what you described in your option B, where it was the two days of 500 calories and then the rest of your day is pretty normal. Um, I didn't know that he wanted to be 125. I think that's good because I thought it was all these kind of crazy quacks who wanted to do that. And uh, <laughs> it was exciting for me, but I just, it's good to hear that someone who I maybe, maybe a little more trustworthy than some of the other. Yeah. yeah. But I've also heard people say that that's sort of the escape velocity, right? If you can, if you can reach that point, then you get to a point where where every year you live, science advance you know extends the human life by more than a year, and then you're then you're then you're free, then you then you just live the dream. <laughs> well, that that may be your path, Matt, and yes. I I wish you luck with it. You know, <laughs> I think the fasting mimicking diet um, actually includes some macro counting as well. Like oh, okay. there's some. And, and buying so, a bunch of stuff too. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I want to also jump in and say one thing, though. If you're a person listening to this who has a history of eating disorders, you know, I was saying earlier, like, just play with this. Don't be afraid of being hungry for a while, that kind of thing. Listen to your body. I want to say if you're someone who has a history of eating disorders, um, I would advise against um, 
starting using intermittent fasting, I don't think this is the right path for you. Um, and if you have already got diabetes, this is also a time you can use intermittent fasting, but you need to work with a health practitioner because it will change um, your blood sugars, definitely, if you're integrating fasting. So it's not something to just um, jump into on your own if you have diabetes. And I would really suggest if you're someone with a history of eating disorders that this is probably not the right path for you. Yeah, I think that sounds like a very good suggestion. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I still want to go back to this, the theory behind why this probably works. I know you compared intermittent fasting to caloric restriction um, in terms of weight loss. And, and caloric restriction also has been linked to longevity. But when when that comparison is made, are we assuming then that like are you comparing caloric restriction to someone who's intermittent fasting and therefore eating more calories than someone who's on caloric restriction? Or is the intermittent fasting just sort of a means of caloric restriction, a way of getting yourself to restrict calories without having to think about it? Well, that's, I mean, that's an excellent question. Um, you do, one of the wonderful things about intermittent fasting is that even without caloric restriction, um, like even without, even if you kept the number of calories that you ate the same, um, as you did when you were just eating normally, um, you would um, you would still experience some of the benefits that come along with intermittent fasting, um, even without caloric restriction. You will experience even more benefits if you are integrating some caloric restriction with your intermittent fasting. And you know what? For the most part, you don't really need to think about that. If you are fasting, most of us will just naturally eat fewer calories if you're eating in fewer hours of the day or if you're taking a few days of the week to eat either very restricted calories or um you know, not eating at all, say for 24 hours, then caloric restriction will just flow naturally into that. And that's one of the nice things about intermittent fasting is that you don't need to be counting calories along with um, your fasting. I really encourage people to just eat intuitively during the eating time and then just not eat at all during the fasting time. Okay. So, so that may or may not actually be part, I mean, it, it, it certainly it's some of why this works well, but it can work well even in the absence of caloric restriction. Right. What then, what then is the mechanism that is, you know, helping people either to lose weight, live longer, have the body fight disease better? I mean, is it, you, you can think, you know, to, to put a story behind it, we can imagine that our ancestors probably went through long periods where they were forced to fast, not out of choice, not choosing, just, just that's how it was. There wasn't food available for a few days or certainly a few hours. Um, I've also heard, you know, you can, I'm mean, not heard, but looked at myself where you can look at metabolism and how the body shifts the, the ratios of the calories it's choosing, the macronutrients it's choosing to burn, um, you know, in that, that postprandial state, which is shortly after you've eaten meals. Mm -hmm. And like, if you look at that and kind of understand how that works, to me, it makes sense that when you have a long period uninterrupted without eating, um, that your body will shift into burning more fat than carbohydrate and things mm -hmm. like that. And so that kind of makes sense. But like, is there something... I guess more intuitive than that, like, uh, well, this just lets your body stop digesting so it can work on repairing things. Right. That's exactly right. So I think that there's two things, you know, digestion is to some extent, um, an inflammatory process, you know, eating and digesting is, uh, does draw on the body's resources. And when you can shift your, um, energy instead, like, you know, when we're sleeping every night, your body is at that time at rest and focusing on cellular repair. Um, and this just extends that period that your body is focusing on cellular repair. 
Dr. Longo also says that, um, you know, this that fasting is a low grade stress on the body, but it's actually like a positive stress and that that stress, um, you know, encourages the body to uh, go into DNA repair. And so, you know, I think those are the two main reasons that you are resting from digestion and therefore focusing on repair and also this kind of concept of low grade um, constant stress during the fasting period, encouraging the body to go into repair mode. Okay. So that, that's good. And I, I think that's probably the explanation that is easiest to remember and think about. But, um, I mentioned metabolism, like, is the, is it clear that, that, that intermittent fasting does a certain thing to metabolism, slows it down, speeds it up? And cause I'm just curious about that because, you know, we used to hear jumpstart your metabolism by eating right. first thing in the morning right. so that it start burning calories. But then I heard people start questioning, not even questioning, asserting that having your metabolism going really fast is not a good thing because from a longevity perspective, you know, you may only have a certain amount of metabolism in your life. So you don't want to burn through it every single day. Uh, cause it's, it's aging your body as it happens. I don't mean every single day. I mean, burn through it at a rapid rate all day long, um, because it's in a way it's aging your body as it happens, or at least I've heard. So uh, can you shed any light on that? Like how this relates to metabolism and do we want a slow metabolism or a fast one? Well, this, you know, our metabolism is remarkably, um, uh, healthy, really. It will continue. You know, I think We've all heard that thing of like, oh, you know, if you fast, you're going to decrease your metabolism, you're going to damage your metabolism. But actually, your metabolism is remarkably buoyant and will you'll continue to um, have strong metabolism, even with periods of fasting and intermittent fasting. Um, the research is showing that um, your metabolism really will continue normally, or if anything, be slightly boosted after fasting. Um, but I don't, um, actually think that you're going to see a dramatic change in your metabolism with intermittent fasting. I think that, um, your metabolic health may be improved as in like your insulin resistance may decrease. You may have improved glucose metabolism. You may be able to use that energy more efficiently in your body, but I don't think you're going to see, like, I think people are afraid that if they fast, then suddenly when they eat normally again, they're just going to dramatically put on weight because their metabolism is going to be destroyed. And really that's hmm. not the case. Yeah. If anything, it seems like, I mean, maybe because we're so involved in, you know, talking about nutrition all the time, but to me, it seems like if you were to stop eating for a while, you, you'd kind of let your metabolism do what it's supposed to do rather than this kind of artificial environment we've created where food is available all the time. And we're that's just, right. you know, never go two hours without putting something in our body. Yes. And, you know, there are people for whom that is a healthy way to eat. Um, there may be various medical reasons why people need to eat small, frequent meals. But personally, I think that um, it is at least equally good, if not better, to have periods of fasting throughout the day. And I just want to say that I don't necessarily start with my clients right away to 16-8. If fasting is new for someone, I usually would start with 12-12. So just going 12 hours of the day without eating, which really for a lot of people, 
that's just a normal and healthy way that they eat. They maybe, you know, stop eating at 8 p.m. and then the next morning at 8 a.m. they have breakfast. And that's just normal and healthy. But for a lot of people, really, they do just keep eating right up until bedtime. They're snacking throughout the evening, right up until maybe half an hour before bed, they have their last snack. And then in the morning, as soon as they wake up, they're straight into eating again. And I think that actually, for most of us, is not a necessary way to eat and potentially not even a healthy way to eat. So I'd encourage you to just consider at least trying um, 12-12 on most days, you know, depending on maybe what your training plans are for the day that may or may not work for you. But for most people, we should be able to at least a few times try fasting for at least 12 hours and just uh, see what happens. If you're a person listening to this who usually snacks all night, um, and if you are concerned about how that's working for you, maybe in terms of your weight or just in terms of your metabolic health, the health of your liver, the health of your heart, um, insulin resistance, all that kind of thing, maybe just play around with trying one or two days fasting for 12 hours. I, I'm glad you brought that up because we, we recently had another guest on, or I don't know, I guess it's been a little while now, but... Um, Russell who, Simmons? <laughs> no, no. Um, but who mentioned the 12, the, you know, just starting with, with 12 hours a day, or even, I don't even know if it was just a just starting, but, you know, they mentioned, uh, you know, 12, the 12, 12. And, mm-hmm. um, and that almost just seemed too, too good to be true because it just, that doesn't seem that hard, right? I mean, that just doesn't seem all that difficult. Are you, are you actually still going to see some benefits or is that, or yes. would that just be kind of a way to transition into? No, you will see some benefits of twelve twelve. Definitely. I think the people that are going to see the biggest benefits are people who really are following a 16, eight pattern, but it's the other way around. So they have eight hours of fasting while they're sleeping and 16 hours of eating. And, mm. you know, I'm, that sounds like I'm, I'm sort of joking, but actually in reality, there are, um, people that do that. And for some that may be working out for them, but for quite a few, it's not really working. Maybe they don't have a very healthy relationship with food and maybe it is starting to lead to disease process in their body. Yeah. So you mentioned, you mentioned, um, that this is kind of dependent on your training schedule for the day Mm -hmm. or something like that. And, you know, of course we're all athletes and probably most people listening to this are as well. Um, and, you know, I mean, probably the most common question we get aside from where do you get your protein is, is how do you, how do you eat around your meals or, or your, I'm sorry, your workouts? Do you, mm-hmm. how do you eat before, during, and after your workout? Um, and that's just been something, especially for runners, that's something that has been ingrained in us. You know, we should, we should be, you have to eat a certain way. You have to hit certain macro numbers. Um, you know, if you're fasting like this, if you're either, you know, if you're taking a full day off or, or restricting for a full day for 24 hours, um, or even if you're only eating for eight hours a day, I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to work out outside of that window. What does that look like for athletes? Okay. So, you know, Doug, I know you're training for a hundred miler right now. Um, and so someone, if you're listening to this and you're training for, um, a longer ultra marathon, like maybe not just a 50 uh, K, but you know, if you're getting up to over a 50 miler, let's say, maybe this isn't the time to start a more aggressive um, intermittent fasting protocol as well. You could probably do 12-12 quite a few days, um, but uh, you know, it may not be something to, to try until after your next big event. And then maybe if you're in off season, you could play around with it. 
But for most of us who are maybe doing, you know, um, shorter distance events like half marathons, marathons, even up to a 50K, it is actually relatively easy to incorporate intermittent fasting. Um, if your workout is going to be less than an hour and 15 minutes and it's moderate intensity, you can do that workout um, fasted. For most people are able to. You know, again, I would say just um, play around with that. See how you feel. Some people, if they don't eat before even a shorter workout or during even a shorter workout, they really feel that they're dragging and they're not able to get the most out of their workout and they're really suffering. So then, you know, that's not going to work for you. And then you're going to need to either adjust your window um, of eating and so that you can be doing your workout during your eating window, either by lengthening your eating window or adjusting the time of day, either when you work out or when you fast, um, so that you're eating during the time. Um, or, you know, maybe it's just um, that you don't fast every day and that that's not a day for you to fast. But really, most of us, as long as your workout, you know, you store glycogen in your liver um, that is enough to support most people through a moderate intensity workout of up to almost, say, an hour and a half. So a lot of us, when we go to the gym or do like a, you know, shorter run, like if you just got a 10K scheduled or whatever for your training run for the day, you most of us are actually able to do that without taking in any fuel. Of course, still take in water, stay hydrated, um, uh, and maybe some electrolytes, but you probably don't need to fuel those shorter workouts. And that includes going to the gym as well. Unless you're doing a lot of like burpees or something, you can probably manage um, those workouts even during a fasting period. Would, would you do that? I mean, would you recommend, or maybe it doesn't matter, uh, fast or doing your workout during kind of like the end of the fast, right before you were about to break it? Or, Particularly uh, if you are lifting heavier weights, um, you know, you do get a bit of an of added benefit by consuming a meal within ideally kind of 20 minutes to half an hour. And that can be something, as it doesn't need to be a, a large meal, it can be a snack. Um, and it it could be even just a shake that you have after the workout. Um, if you are, have a few days of the week where you're lifting and you do have a goal of building more muscle mass in your body, then you might want to um, kind of maximize that benefit by having a snack after your workout. But, you know, if you are doing a workout in the gym that's lighter weights and um, includes some cardio as well, you probably really don't need to worry about it at all. You can just integrate. And, you know, I do that frequently, go to the gym and um, during a fasting window. And I, I personally, um, as long as I'm not going on a longer run, uh, I prefer to run fasted, actually prefer like just get up in the morning, have a drink of water and just go. Um, and as long as it's under an hour and 15 minutes, I prefer, and I, I actually feel more energized. A lot of people will report increased energy and more mental clarity when fasting. Um, and you know, that varies person to person, but you'd be surprised actually. A lot of people do experience, um, uh, greater mental clarity and greater energy while fasting. Yeah, I've definitely heard that before. And, uh, you know, the idea of, of doing a run without having, you know, carbo loaded or even been eating at all, um, you know, that, that is unrelated to intermittent fasting. Like that is sometimes recommended by people to kind of 
train your body to be more in fat adapted right. states. You can burn fat rather than relying on carbohydrate. And, uh, you know, that's something I've never really liked to, when I tried to actually train that way, I found it miserable and scary and I hated it. Uh, but then I realized that like, I, if I could just be a little bit more mindful about it, it turned out that it worked quite well. And I felt like over time, um, it did have an impact. So, I mean, that, that is something that I guess I'm just trying to say that because I think to some people, it's totally crazy the idea that you would have nothing to eat around your workout. But in fact, you know, aside from just it being convenient with an intermittent fasting diet, um, it may actually be beneficial depending on what kind of things you're trying to do. So speaking, um, you know, about kind of timing meals and structuring meals and all that, if you were doing this, um, aside from workout, it can or cannot involve working out and being an athlete. What, is there a certain way, like, is there a best way to structure things within your feeding window? Like, is there a best way to break that fast? For example, my wife who has been doing this for a while. And in fact, she was doing a six hour window. She was eating from Mm -hmm. noon till six and she actually got used to that. Uh, and I was amazed that she could go that long without eating, but she just seemed to think it was, I mean, not think she got to a point where she just, that's what she did. That was normal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but, you know, she she always wondered, like, is there a certain, should you kind of gradually ease back into the way you're eating? Like, if you were on a juice fast or something, you know, they're going to, after day four or whenever it's time to start eating food again, um, you kind of ease back in and you start having salads or raw fruits and vegetables first before you would do other things. Should that be happening on a daily basis or do you think that's kind of overthinking it? And like, if you're, if you're eating only in eight hours or six hours, then, you know, do what you want. I think one of the great things about uh, fasting is, that it is very modifiable and it is very flexible. So um, I would say like when you're talking about easing out of it, um, you know, I would actually say fasting is something that's a tool that you can continue to use for the health benefits and also for the weight management, whether that's maintaining weight or losing weight for the rest of your life. And it's just kind of, kind of turning up or turning down the dial on how much you're using it. Um, you know, you're talking about Aaron following a six hour window and I think that's great. Um, I would recommend people really probably not go under five hour window if you're doing it every day, um, on a long-term basis. I think, um, just maybe not going under five hours is healthy for most of us. I know some people do go even just like Wim Hof, for example, I think he eats only one meal a day. Um, But there's not a lot of research behind that. And so um, I would just erring on the side of caution and trying to speak from an evidence-based point of view, I would just encourage people maybe not to go under five hours long-term. And then I want to share something from my practice that I've seen as well, where I actually find that people do better um, in terms of their weight loss anyway, um, if they include one day of the week where they where they break the pattern. Um, so, you know, if you are eating, let's say, um, eight hours. Hey, Pamela. Of, mm-hmm. Sorry, it cut out really quick there for both me and Doug. Okay. Um, Do you want can me you to just say, just say it like back up like 15 seconds and just repeat if you can remember wherever you were. It doesn't matter where exactly it is. We'll fix it. Okay. So um, I actually have found in my practice that for weight loss anyway, um, people actually experience greater benefits when they break the pattern for one day a week, let's say. So if you're a person who's following 16-8, and so each day you're eating for an eight-hour window, I would encourage you one day of the week 
to maybe do a 12-12. And that works really well if you happen to be an endurance athlete as well, because you could make that 12-12 day your long run day. So I think that this is good just to um, not let the body just fall into this expected pattern where every day the body knows, okay, we're going to eat for these eight hours and this is normal and, you know, this is what to expect. I think it's good once a week just to break that up and follow a different pattern. So do 12-12 one day, or you could even one day um, maybe try a five-hour window, something like that, um, just to break up the pattern and do something different one day of the week. But in terms of long term, I mean, I am at a healthy weight, I'm at a weight that I'm comfortable with, but I still do use fasting. Um, at least 12-12, I often will do 16-8. Um, you know, you can, uh, longer term, when you're just wanting to maintain your weight, just find a pattern that works well for you. Maybe 16-8, three or four days of the week, and the other days, 12-12, will be the right formula for you to be able to maintain your weight. And then you'll still be getting those added health benefits, too. I like that. Adaptable and good. And I also, I appreciate the advice earlier to kind of listen to your body when you're talking about workouts. Um, I think, think so many people get hung up on like that there has to be a right answer and they need to know it before they begin. But I think, you know, the whole idea of like listening and, and trying things and seeing how it works, you know, in your life is really, really important. Uh, I think people don't do enough of that and also don't realize that, it's, you know, you can, you can safely try different things as long as it's <laughs> within reason. Uh, but I think that's, I think that's really important. Absolutely. Uh, just head out on your run and maybe bring a couple dates with you or bring a gel or something like that and just see like, okay, today, this is normally the place I would take uh, a fuel. And today I'm going to try not doing it. And again, I'm suggesting doing this only in runs that are shorter than an hour and 15 minutes, but just try it and see what happens. And if it's a disaster, then maybe that's not for you. But actually, I bet you'll be surprised and it will probably work out better than you had expected. Great. So one thing we haven't yet addressed is uh, how this might look different or what considerations there are if you eat a plant-based diet, right. uh, as the three of us do, and I imagine or know that most of our audience does. Uh, is there anything anything to to keep in mind other than not adding butter to your uh, not doing a bulletproof <laughs> coffee thing? What, what else you know might you need to think about? Well, just remember that already um, on a whole food plant-based diet, you're already um, probably eating higher volume than you might have been before on a standard American diet. Generally speaking, a whole food plant-based diet has lower caloric density. So just keep that in mind. You do still need to keep your volume of food up during the hours that you are eating. Um, you don't want to get into a situation where you are becoming nutrient deprived because you've integrated fasting. So, um, you know, you might have to be quite conscious about making sure that your choices are whole food or mostly whole food. Um, and, you know, keep looking to all of our best friends like uh, legumes, uh, nuts and seeds, um, fruits and vegetables. Um, you know, you want to make sure that you're still getting healthy fats as well as lots of fiber in your diet. Um, and, you know, a lot of people think you can't do intermittent fasting and be vegan. They think um, that you have to be um, maintaining ketosis or that you need to count your macros and stuff. I think that the intermittent fasting culture has kind of become synonymous with the keto culture or something like that. Right. Really, that is not at all the case. Um, vegan, uh, 
a whole food plant-based diet anyway approach to veganism already is a very anti-inflammatory way to eat as we know it's already a very healthy way to eat and now you're adding another potential benefit here by adding the intermittent fasting which is also anti-inflammatory um, and disease preventing but just make sure it doesn't turn into something where you're actually not getting enough nutrients because you're not you're not eating enough yes makes total sense um Pamela this has been really great as always uh I'm, I'm always impressed by the amount of knowledge you have uh especially given given our little snafu at the beginning of this where we thought we were talking about a different topic I'm I'm amazed <laughs> that, you, that you got all this together so quickly um but not surprised at all uh if people want to find out more about what you do work with you uh which sounds wonderful to me right go get this much knowledge just every every whatever week month uh where do they go where do they go and find more well, you can find me on my website at Pamela Ferguson with that's with two S's dot com. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Dr. Pamela dot RD and on Facebook at Dr. Pamela RD. Awesome. So Great. Ferguson, by the way, is spelled F-E-R-G-U-S-S-O-N. That's it. I don't want any, I don't want to go to the wrong place. So awesome. Thank you, Pamela. Uh, as I said, we'd love to have you back on again sometime to talk about keto or dive into who knows what what the you know new topic of du jour is um but uh great to have you on always and uh good to catch up thank you it was wonderful to chat with both of you all right talk to you later yeah, absolutely chat soon take care <laughs>